0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Food Biz Wiz podcast. I am Charlie, VP of Student Success here at Food Biz Wiz, and we are back with another episode in our series called, Is It Worth It, Charlie? In this series, I help students inside our retail-ready community think through pivotal decisions they're about to make in their business to help them determine whether or not moving forward with that decision is worth it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. As I said, my name is Charlie Berkenshaw, and in addition to running my own CPG business, Element Shrub, I also support and advise our students inside our Retail Ready course and community. In today's episode, I will be sitting down with a fellow Retail Ready student, Rebecca Stein, founder and um, CEO of Blind Tiger Spirit-Free Cocktails, to help her through whether or not it's worth it for her to pivot. So... If this is something you have struggled with, I am excited for you to listen in. So with that said, let's find out, everyone, is it worth it?
1: I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind the scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Whiz podcast to give you hard to access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. If you're a Retail Ready student who knows how important it is to do quarterly planning, but you're too busy, intimidated, overwhelmed, or stuck in your ways to actually prioritize it, I want you to join us in our live online quarterly planning workshop on March 22nd. Not in Retail Ready yet? Even better. When you join us inside of Retail Ready between now and March 22nd, you'll get free tickets to this event, saving you $199. In this three-hour workshop, we'll teach you the exact process that we use to do our quarterly planning here at Food Bizwiz. we'll give you our systems and templates for creating your own 12-week plan, and we're going to give you time to map out your own plan during the workshop. You'll walk away with your roadmap to balancing your quarterly projects and your day-to-day for the 90 days ahead. If you've ever wondered how we get it all done here at Food Bizwiz, this is it, and we're now sharing it with you. Retail Ready students, find the enrollment page on your course platform and in the private student community, or reach out directly. New Retail Ready students, those of you who want to enroll, find our info and enrollment link in the show notes, and you'll automatically get those bonus tickets added after you join us inside our program.
0: We'll see you on March 22nd. Rebecca, welcome. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Charlie, thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Okay. So as I said in the introduction, today we are talking about pivoting. But before we jump into all of that, would you mind giving everybody a quick introduction on your background and sort of how Blind Tiger came to be?
2: Sure. So Blind Tiger actually was kind of the result of a pivot, even though... uh, And it's that (laughs) story, right? So I have a speakeasy restaurant and bar called Room 33 in Erie, Pennsylvania. We opened it in 2017 and it was doing pretty well. And then COVID hits. And like all restaurants across America, we are mandated to take out only. But at the time, uh, you weren't legally allowed to sell alcohol to go and 90% of our sales were bar sales. So we had to come up with some alternative options, or close our doors. And we did. We ramped up our menu, and we did a lot of partnerships throughout the community and things we could do virtually. But one of those ideas was bottling non-alcoholic versions of our classic cocktails, and the response was overwhelming. We were doing a variety of them off of our menu, but um, I really just, in my insanity, woke up one day and was like, (laughs) I wonder if I can't bring this to market not having a clue on how to get anything into, you know, anything in the CPG arena. But I went to the team and said, what do you guys think? I want to stay with our brand. Um, We had this uh, concept called Blind Tiger that was already kind of floating out there in existence as a a name. And they were on board. And then, you know, they came up with four recipes. And then I just kind of navigated the process, finding beverage engineer, co-packer, all that kind of stuff. And and, you know, brought it to where we are today. So we have four SKUs in the market and, um, you know, continuing to grow.
0: Love it. Love it. Awesome. Well, I, I'm glad we're already talking about pivoting in your bio already. So yep. <laughs> uh, we're we're off to a good start here. Uh, Rebecca, it, you've been with us inside Retail Ready for about 18 months now, I believe. Uh, would you mind sort of just sharing a little bit about the program as well, how it's been for you and kind of maybe what you've gotten out of it, and then we can jump into uh, to pivoting.
2: Yeah, it's been really great um, to get to connect with you and Allie. And I learned of it early on through a mutual colleague, uh, Joe Tarnowski, through RangeMe ECRM. And he had um, a session with Allie on it. And I was like, this is really interesting. She really knows her stuff and wanted to see how I could you know, connect with her. And at that point, that's where I learned this curriculum and this um, kind of inside arena existed, and so I joined it and paid for the um, the Food Biz Whiz course and kind of went through all that. And it's love provided it. some tremendous insights. And I love having the connections in the Facebook group as well. So
0: awesome, great. Well, that's really really awesome to hear. Um, so, so today we're we're talking about pivoting, as you mentioned in your bio. Right, I feel like it's it's in the dna of us as entrepreneurs right to to pivot at some point in some way during our journey right so the the question here is is maybe not whether to pivot but but when to do it and how to do it in a way that feels calculated i guess right um so we 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 understand how blind tigers come to be rebecca do you want to give everybody just a little bit of background maybe on sharing sort of your current strategy and then sort of what this potential pivot could look like.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we officially launched in um, like fall of 2021, late summer, fall of 2021 with our first product. And um, like I said, it's navigating this journey, even for someone who's been in it for their entire life is is really daunting, right? You have a product, you have to own it. You have for to For sure. it. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's been great. We have a unique story. We have a unique brand. I really do love everything about it. Um, but it is really hard and you are, you aren't at the helm as much as you want to be, right. You are kind of beholden to a lot of other players as you try to bring your product to market. So whether that's co-packing, whether that's suppliers, what are retailers, distributors, right. You have to navigate all those relationships. And And I like, you know, it's been hard for me because there's a lot of patience in the process. Things don't necessarily move at the speed you want them to move. And so where we are today, um, you know, fast forward, we're in about 350 locations. We have some really good potential retailers on the horizon. And um, I'm still always kind of worried, you know, we're at a point from a financial perspective where we have enough runway for a little while. But you don't want to produce too much and not yeah. have enough money to sustain you. And you're constantly making these critical decisions and not really sure which way to go. And at one point, I kind of, you know, I go back to the there, I, I live by the I'd rather work smarter than harder kind of philosophy. And I'm definitely totally agree <laughs> too much in the business and not enough on the business. So that's where I start to question what can i do to make this more of an efficient process that might make, you know that might make the turnaround um or just the potential for growth quicker and while not having to while having a little more control over the process in the process if that makes yeah.
0: sense yeah yeah so okay okay so okay so that sort of sets the stage for where we are now what um so you're in 350 stores you've sort of developed these relationships with your co-packers and your other People to kind of get things going. Um, You, what's what's sort of this like clearer, smarter, like way to to kind of get in front of people that you're at least considering, right? Yeah,
2: I don't know yet if it's clearer or smarter. Okay, but it's definitely an idea, right? Fair. So, um, before, so my restaurant, um, in the last year, I worked with a franchise group to franchise the concept of our restaurant, which is called Room Thirty Three. Cool, and it's just been sitting out there, and and that's quite an investment up front, like time and money. Oh yeah, I haven't done anything with it, and I've worked with a couple of different groups over the last several months that were kind of like, oh, we kind of see your brand together, like Speakeasy meets Blind Tiger, and how do, how does that look? So I've spent the last few months kind of trying to figure out somewhat of an outline for this process. And one of the things that I've conceptualized is moving everything under the Blind Tiger name, creating that franchise but with the speakeasy style restaurant and then combining it with the Blind Tiger product, which helps Blind Tiger in some regards, right? So if we built like the the idea would be to build out a second full concept location under the Blind Tiger name. And Require the product to be sold in the restaurant bar, right? So if we are, um, if we do have the opportunity to franchise it to X amount of locations, now all these franchises are required to carry the product,
0: and yep, it could
2: create yep. revenue stream for us, right? While also hopefully like a push-pull sort of method, right? Yeah, we're pushing it out there, and but then we're pulling people in through the speakeasy and kind of building the brand twofold. So it's a lot more work and upfront, and a lot more high intensity, but that's just in the short term, and maybe in the long term, it ends up being a more viable uh, option for the business, right? Because it's yeah. a little more unique. It has two proven models, or at least semi-proven models, already in there, and trying to determine like if is this the best pathway forward for us?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I love I love that idea, and you know, even thinking back to something we talk a lot about in Retail Ready, right? Which is you know what makes what makes you different, Rebecca, like as a brand, as a person, what's going to set you apart from your competition. And, and it's not just, it's not just your product, right. But it's your network. It's like, you already own this speakeasy business. And as you said, in your bio, right, the, the blind tiger brand came out of that, out of room 33. So the the brands are sort of connected in a way that just makes a lot of sense, right. They're both like, um, you know, prohibition style, like cocktails, like vibe. Right. And so there's, there's nothing sort of competing right. Um, from, from that perspective. Right. And, and so I, I feel like for you just even setting your, like thinking about how this would potentially set you apart from your competition, right? Like there's, I don't know a handful of a number of people that have ready to drink, like, or, you know, non-alcoholic, drinks on the market that also happen to own like a franchise bar that is branded the same way as their, their line of, you know, non-alcoholic cocktails. So uh, I, I think, I think in theory, right. It sounds like, it sounds like a a really great solution. Um, I, I can sort of speak to the, we we don't, I don't have a franchise, but, but I have a bar just like you in, in Georgetown and I think one thing that comes to mind for me is right there's a there's a big difference between um sort of brick and mortar brick and mortar and you know a CPG product from a both a time and a dollar like cost of getting getting everything set up right the timeline is always takes longer so I, I don't know what what are your thoughts on how like sort of the pros and cons of going this direction in terms of Maybe your speed to market, right? or um or sort of balancing this uh this opportunity cost of, okay, well, we're just going to go all in on marketing towards grocery stores and getting our product uh onto shelves as opposed to sort of pushing through this franchise. And then I guess, how do you see that balance of well if it's if it's through this franchise, are you also going to push it through through grocery and other other means as well?
2: Yeah, I I know that's a lot. (laughs) No, that's that's okay. Um, I think I would try, yes, it would be twofold, at least up front, right? Like, I think they would serve each other well from a brand perspective. Like I said, it would be pushed through the channels, the retail channels, the online channels, the distribution channels, and pulled through the Speakeasy restaurant, right? Like, and then you do that more in a consumer, like a D2C sort of thing with on-site. One of the things I like most about the Speakeasy, and And this, I could fall flat on my face with this, but when I opened ours, obviously you generate revenue and sales literally overnight. I mean, from the time you're open, right? Like you're not necessarily making a profit, but you're bringing money in that helps to sustain you in the CPG arena that time. I mean, especially when you're first coming to market, takes a really long time to get your product sold. And then in between, you're trying to find smaller ways to to sustain you in between the larger orders too right so it's yeah it creates ongoing revenue which is really really nice if it's a good restaurant and it's done right right right, and, right sure so it's a feeder which is which is wonderful and if the products there and the brand is done right then it continues to drive like product sales even just to go so you know there's other restaurants that have like Chi cheese has salsa, right? They used to have a line of restaurants until they had a green onion issue. And then um <laughs> Olive Garden has salad dressing. There's one other uh, in my arena that I'm aware of that has far more is far more famous, and that's John Taffer. And Taffer has Taffer's, he has a TV show, but Taffer's Tavern, he has like three three places and then three more in the works, but I don't believe they're franchised. And he does have a line of cocktail mixers. Mm -hmm. So they're more traditional um, and they're slightly different, but at least I know that model exists and somehow works. So that gives me a little bit of hope in the process. But that is what, I think that's the definite upside. It's a lot more potentially upfront cost, especially since I want to do a very build out, but then if it's franchise and it's of interest to people, but the ongoing um, revenues you get just from franchise fees and royalties and everything also kind of help pay for itself. And statistically, franchises that are up and running, um, 90% of them survive, unlike the startup businesses mm. you know, that tend to fail you know, within the first five to 10 years. So I'm not saying that's me, but
0: I'm just looking at the odds, right? Yeah, like, yeah no i mean that's a de- looking at the data is super super important right so to so speed to market right there's this balance of um yeah maybe maybe it takes a year 18 months whatever to get the the actual building set up but your cash flow after that uh, i mean that makes a lot of sense right your um and i think frankly like food service is a category that's like often overlooked by brands at the beginning to help keep their keep their cash flow going, and then if you happen to be vertically integrated with that brand that you're doing uh doing business with right then right all the all the all the better
2: yeah, yeah, so yeah, i mean it just um so i'm you know heavily i'm heavily working on this from our research and you know getting everything together i just am not quite sure
0: yet so I, I also like that, uh, right, thinking about pivoting, right, there's there's one aspect of this pivot that's like, hey, this is financially what's going to make sense for the business long term, right? But then there's the other uh, side of pivoting that's like, well, what what problem were we trying to solve for our consumers, right, at the beginning? And how is this going to help them going forward, right? And I I love that. You know your room thirty three is a prohibition bar, right? You were trying to sort of solve this problem and like create this brand for people that wanted this. I mean, nostalgia. I'm throwing out you know things there, but um, and but and you're doing the same thing through your CPG brand. So you you have sort of the same audience, right? And when. So you're you're not going you're not going away from your audience by doing this. Right. Right.
2: right. Yeah. No. And that's kind of the intention, too. And one other thing that serves it well is and I think we might have talked about this off before we, we started this program. But speakeasies drive inclusivity. Right. Like my. Um, my beast vision is to create in- inclusivity for all, like that's my driver. And I think that with blind tiger, both as a non-alcoholic and both as a mixer and having the bar restaurant, the combination of the two does still address the problem. And that's creating more opportunities for people, whether they want to drink or they don't, right? Like it's just yeah. kind of creating that more inclusive environment. I love that. So, Even though Speakeasy is like underground in nature and technically known for like its really distinct craft cocktails, it also was a driver to bring people together during the Prohibition era when, you know, there were groups that never connected otherwise. Women, you know, women became more at the forefront. They got the right to vote. African-Americans, you know, the jazz agency, this all happened during that time, you know, during this underground um timeframe. So there's a lot there
0: to unpack. <laughs> I love that. And I, I mean I love, I mean, we're we're in the non-alcoholic space, obviously, with with Element Shrub and our the Fountain Inn in DC, we have non-alcoholic drinks that that use our shrubs. And I think, you know, we're seeing more and more bars, especially in this non-alcoholic mixer spirit community, right? This push towards inclusive inclusivity and getting bars and restaurants to get on board with, you know, having a menu that caters to, to everybody. Right. And I think if you have the ability to push that through the franchise and through, through the CPG side of the brand as well, I think that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, I love it. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> um, so I guess, okay. So then sort of backing, backing up a, uh, a little, you've, you've got this option to go in this direction Um what what happened like just being devil's advocate what happens if you don't go in this direction and you know what does that look like and and how what what's the opportunity cost there in terms of all this money that you would invest in building out this new franchise versus like taking that money and putting it towards uh just focusing on ppg right
2: right Well, I think it's also, um, so if I went this pathway, I would be seeking investment for this pathway, right? So it's kind of, you know, a lot of times, and I'm out there talking to different investor groups and angel groups, and, and most of them know the challenges of being a CPG product. And obviously, everybody wants to know how they can get a return on their money. So any way I can minimize risk is kind of my thought process right now when I'm out there talking to these groups. If I didn't go down this pathway, I wouldn't have this I most likely wouldn't have this large chunk of money, right? And I would continue to do it more organically as mm. I'm doing it now. And I have a little bit of investment, but that's I'm thinking more since I've taken on some investment, I'm thinking more in um as an investor than I am sometimes as a founder because I want to ensure their money is essentially my money right now. And I I want to find ways to make it most successful for anybody who's been willing to support me all along. And I know statistically, um, startups, you know, statistically, they fail. And I would hopefully, I'd rather not if I don't have to. And, but that's finding <laughs> right, so we'll- a different pathway forward. Then that's kind of what I'm looking for.
0: Yeah. So it, how's your bet? Yeah.
2: Yeah and and I say this knowing I haven't gotten to the point where I think the product alone couldn't succeed. Mm-hmm. Um it's just hard. It's really really hard and you all know how hard it is and Yeah. And yeah,
0: how, it's like, super hard. <laughs> yeah.
2: And how long do you want to continue that road and what does that road look like
0: for each of you, right? Yeah. I and I think one thing also to to keep in mind for for our, for our listeners here too is um that I, I'll say that you're sort of lucky in a sense that you already have sort of this data of, well, you've been running the bar since 2017, right? Room 33, you know what your volume looks like. You know what kind of revenue that's going to bring in just from sort of that product alone and what sort of the, the monthly MR, like what the MRMR looks like for like having a speakeasy, right? Which somebody who doesn't isn't isn't going to have that data, right? Um, you also are already in 350 stores with your CPG product. So you also have a sense of what sort of the velocity looks like, what your target audience reacts to, and what types of stores are sort of a good fit for you and your brand, right? Um, I, say, I say you're sort of you're lucky to have that data because not everybody has it. But at the same time, you know, if you were to go back to like, I don't know, let's say Blind Tiger existed in 2019 and you had just launched the CPG brand and you were you had only been, you know, had the bar open for a year uh, or two, right? Would you have felt comfortable making this pivot now, uh, then, w- without sort of the data of everything you've sort of learned along the way? I don't know.
2: Um, I mean, honestly... Uh, so me personally, probably only because I can not make decisions qu- as quickly. And I don't necessarily like if if there's some I mean, I I decided to go into making a beverage and I had no data to support that. Sure. That's I knew that the market, the NA market was really kind of growing and um, and having what I've seen. Right. But I was testing the market along the way. Um so yeah, I don't, I don't know. And, and in, in, honestly, in, in fairness, Charlie, I launched Room 33, um, m- mainly, mainly, this is sad, because I lost an election to city council. And one of my pillars was investing in our downtown. And I'm like, damn it, I'm going to invest in our downtown. <laughs> and that's how I'm going to do it. It, it combined all the tools that I had already had kind of in my arsenal. I had worked in hospitality and marketing and event planning and all that. Sure. Stuff, right. But I did not come from an extensive restaurant background. So it really just kind of depends where your passion lies. And if you have the ability to kind of back it up along the, along along the way.
0: Yeah, no, I, that totally, (laughs) totally makes sense. Um, Okay. So we've, we've talked about a lot here. It sounds like there are a lot of moving pieces here with blind tiger, which is, super exciting and room 33 and who knows how they and, and whether and when they'll be sort of combined into one um what what do you think like for for you what are what are the next steps that will help you decide whether or not this is the right pivot right because it sounds like you you want to do it or uh, maybe but you also would need to maybe do some fundraising um uh, And I don't know what else is going to get you to be like, yes, we're, we're, we're definitely doing this.
2: Yeah. I really think if I get that investment. So, um, the last couple of weeks and months I've been working on financial projections on what this could look like investment summaries decks that have this combined brand integrated brand, right? Like those are the things that have been driving it forward. But at the end of the day, I could take out a loan and again and open up my second full concept, but it really to have um, an investor kind of believe in the idea of it really would be more motivating for me to kind of, you know like yes, this is the direction this needs to go in right like to know that they that the concept seems, Cause sometimes I think my ideas are crazy. So I don't really know that.
0: <laughs> we we all viable, do as entrepreneurs, right? Yeah,
2: and they look viable on paper, but at the end of the day, they could
0: still not be the best idea ever. So totally. Um, cool. Awesome. Well, Rebecca, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Can you tell people where they can find you, where they can pick up some blind tiger and um, yeah. And then we'll, we'll wrap things up here.
2: Yeah. So Blind Tiger, uh, there, we have a full list of our locations on our website, which is blindtigerspiritfree.com. And we are on most major social media channels. So my favorite is probably Instagram and TikTok. And it's blindtiger33, the digits.
0: Got it. After the bar.
2: Yes. Yes. Love
0: it. All right. Um, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode with Rebecca Stein from Blind Tiger Spirit Free Cocktails. Uh, This is exactly the type of one-on-one consulting that I do exclusively for our Retail Ready students day in and day out. So I can't wait to hear what you thought about this episode, and I will see you all in the Retail Ready Facebook group for continued conversation, and I will be back in your ears next month. Thank you, everybody.
1: Thanks for listening to Food Biz Whiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.